Trade Talks, bringing you the best of the buy side. So welcome back to the Trade Talks podcast. We are now on episode five. I'm Kaiska Heel and joining me as always is Hayley McDowell. So Hayley, how's the weekend been for you? Hi guys. Yeah, it's been good actually. I think we've we've had some really good weather, uh, which has been nice. I've I've been out on some really long walks and and got a bit sunburnt on my face, but other than that, um, it's been really good. I'd say hay fever is really starting to settle in for me at the moment. I'm I'm really struggling um, with that, but <laughs> other than that, no, it's it, it's been good. I had a good weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, I've had a good weekend. Uh, yeah, I have seized the good weather and I've been trying that Couch to 5K app. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's yeah. uh, been getting some buzz. Yeah, I have heard about it. T- tell me, I'm, I'm not sure what the what the sort of what the idea behind it is. Well, you know, if you know me, I am no sportsman. I'm no athlete. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought, right, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to have a go at running. And it's just basically, yeah. Uh, it just guides you through. I had Joe Wiley coaching me through. But um, yeah, went on my first run. And kind of not sure if I want to continue it now because uh, halfway through the run, ended up into a big running through a big swarm of flies, ended up nearly choking on a fly. And then I had uh, Joe Wiley there coaching me, just saying, Well done, you're halfway there, you can make it. And I just thought, Yeah, this is not the sport for me. So <laughs> I don't know if I'll carry it on. Um, I've got, you know, uh, two more runs left this week. So uh, let's see, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. That's, that's <laughs> but, great, though. I think, you know, uh, you know, Thumbs up for for effort there. I, I think it's it's a good thing to to try. But yeah, I'm with you. That definitely running's not not something I I would be looking to do. No. Well, let's uh, get on with the show rundown because uh, seems like we've got some good stuff happening. We're going to have some uh, discussion about some people moves. Uh, there's been some interesting moves as well in the industry. So we're going to talk about them at the end of the show. And we also have a guest on today's show. We have Adam Toms. He's the CEO of Open Fin Europe. And we're going to be discussing the recent partnership with BML uh, Technologies and the future for traders post-corona. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit of an interesting interview we're going to do later. And then we're just going to start, as usual, talking about some of the biggest stories we've been kind of looking at and give you our take on the stories. So, uh, yes, yeah, stick around. The Trade Talking Points. So, Caius, tell us, what are some of the stories that have caught your attention this week? So, yeah, there's been a short-selling ban there. It's been lifted across Europe. Uh, They did have the original ban put in place in March. And now this was a kind of response to significant declines across Europe's equity markets. Those who agreed to the short-selling ban back in March uh, was countries like uh, Spain, Italy, France and the UK. But now uh, they have decided, well, a few countries have decided uh, not to continue with that restriction, which was up for renewal uh, coming up soon. So those countries include Austria, Belgium, France, Greece, Italy and Spain. So it's kind of interesting, I think. I'm wondering, uh, it seems like we're having a kind of easing of the whole uh, corona restrictions. So that's just my first uh, story again, which is a We've all got a few man kind of stories of uh, reopening. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's my first reopening kind of story. But uh, it's interesting to see that uh, they've made this decision not to continue. I think it's interesting, you know, in terms of this will be welcome news um, for a lot of the industry. I know we saw several sort of trade um, associations. We also saw the World Federation of Exchanges um, being extremely outspoken about the fact that short selling bans are detrimental to uh, to markets. So 
I think this is going to be welcome news across the industry. Um, yeah, perhaps we'll we'll hear a little bit more. I'm sure there'll be studies that are, that are, are undertaken that will perhaps shine a little bit more light on on the actual impact of of those bans. But um, yeah, welcome news, I'd say, Kais. Yeah, well, yeah, some kind of reopening. It's good news for me anyway. When I was uh, writing this story up, <laughs> but how about you, Haley? Yeah, uh, what have you been looking at? So another sort of COVID-19 um, story that, that caught my eye, we had a report from uh, Greenwich, Greenwich Associates. They've been doing several surveys and, and research reports on uh, brokers in during the crisis, looking at the sort of period that was particularly vol- volatile, that sort of mid-March um, uh, period. And they found that buy-side traders in the US um, were mostly satisfied with um, how brokers handled the uh, the pandemic and how they sort of stepped up. Um, so yeah, their brokers performance actually was, um, I think it was 80% of buy side traders that spoke with Greenwich said they were satisfied with with broker performance, which is fantastic. Um, and, and 50% of them said they were highly satisfied. And and this is despite, you know, we've, we've seen various issues come out of the crisis. You know, we've had settlement issues, uh, things like that, uh, liquidity problems. So I think it's it's interesting to hear that in spite of those operational sort of challenges and, um, you know, market nuances, um, ch- challenges that, that traders were forced to navigate. It's interesting to hear that brokers really stepped up during that that period. Um, and they actually named the brokers that they felt were particularly um, helpful. I think Greenwich referred to them as standout dealers. And that was Jeffries, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, City and uh, Bank of America. So, um, yeah, I thought that was particularly interesting. Um, I think, you know, and Greenwich even mentioned this in the report as well. This has sort of underscored the need for firms, small and large, to continue to invest in in technology. Um, So, yeah, really interesting stuff coming out of Greenwich in that report. Um, And I know they did a similar one for... um, that was for for um, equities. They've done one for fixed income as well, uh, and it's been split sort of in terms of uh, Europe and US. So yeah, really interesting stuff coming out of the the crisis so far. But buy side traders seem to be uh, pretty happy with it. Well, yeah, we have been writing a, a lot about uh, technologies and investment in technologies, and uh, like we said in the previous podcast, uh, this kind of lockdown was kind of a real kick for people to invest. Uh, maybe more now in new technologies to help in certain situations like this. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think it's it's coming up time and time again in, in conversations that, that I'm having. The fact that, um, you know, technology and investing in technology is is of critical importance. And I think, um, yeah, the, the lockdown and, and the global pandemic only serves to accelerate that trend, definitely. Speaking on another kind of covid related story well it definitely is covid related uh the new york stock exchange is set to partially reopen its trading floor at the end of the month so uh they'll do this obviously with a reduced headcount and there is other precautions which they'll have to take um you know staff rejoining they're gonna have to wear uh, masks uh, they're gonna have to be socially distanced from other traders and also they're gonna have to comply with the new york city state uh, health and safety orders So a small number of the brokers who are returning to the trading floor, they're going to be supporting order types, including de-orders. But designated market makers, they'll have to continue working uh, remotely at the moment. Uh, uh, It was back in March, March 23rd, when uh, the New York Stock Exchange switched to fully electronic trading. And uh, this was during the temporary closure of their equities and options trading floors. But now, yeah, 
they're opening one trading floor. And it also, uh, we've seen similar actions over in Chicago with SIBO uh, because they've confirmed that they're, yeah, next month uh, they are going to open its uh, C1 options exchange floor in Chicago. So it's set to reopen that one on the 8th of June. But there's going to be, again, a number of health and safety precautions, uh, including wearing health and safety masks, uh, socially distanced and etc. cetera. Uh, but interestingly, with this story, though, um, different to the New York Stock Exchange uh, story is that they're going to have uh, medical screenings at the entry points of the building. But uh, as well here, we talked about reduced headcount. SIBO uh, stated that they only expect that 50% of its trading for staff will return on the 8th of June. So, yeah, that's kind of good that we're seeing these uh, trading floors open. Seems like there's sort of light at the end of the tunnel, doesn't there? <laughs> yes, yeah. And that's what I read in these stories. It was just like, <laughs> in my personal life, makes me feel like, oh, yeah, there is light at the tunnel. It seems like <laughs> yeah, we're going back to normality. But then again, it's going to be a different kind of normality when we have to have, uh, you know, wear masks, uh, be socially distanced from other staff members, yeah. um, et cetera. So, yeah. Uh, Light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a different colour light. <laughs> That's all I can say with those uh, with those stories. But yeah, it's nice to see that uh, slowly things are coming back to normal. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're gonna. It's gonna be a new normal, isn't it? Um, and it's it's interesting now that we're seeing some movement um, with SIBO and NICE. Um I know I've been rec- reading recently that um, some of the big banks are also looking to get um, staff back into the offices from sort of early uh, July, I think they said, um, for, for one of the big banks. But again, a, a very reduced capacity. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's good to see there's some kind of movement and, and that we're we're adapting to to life with, with coronavirus, living with coronavirus. <laughs> living with coronavirus. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds very catchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think an- another story uh, which isn't necessarily um, coronavirus related that I thought was was uh, very interesting and, and our readers, I'm sure, would agree. Um, City is launching a new project to digitalize its electronic trading platforms. Um, so this was an internal memo which um, which we saw and City basically said that they are going to develop an end to end digital strategy. Um, and execution for its institutional clients group, um, electronic platforms. Uh, And that includes content, analytics, trading, and and post-trade services as well. Um, And Sandeep Arora, who is the global head of fintech and innovation for the markets division at City, has been tasked with heading up that digital project for the institutional clients group business. Um, I think really interesting, again, um, you know, in terms of, the client experience for um for for city i think that was something that they really kind of honed in on and it was something that they were really targeting with with this um you know they they're looking to digitally enhance the the client experience um which which is something that we're seeing other banks also do so um you know i i think this is a, an interesting um story in terms of you know a bit like what we were saying earlier in terms of the the technology and and we're seeing this sort of digitalization um of of certain divisions now um at, at large banks which is which is super interesting no yeah you're right there uh, technology is uh, really stepping up in this uh, pandemic <laughs> but uh yeah let's uh, go straight to our guest the trade talkers 
Now our guest on Trade Talks today, he's from OpenFin, he's the CEO of Europe, it's Adam Toms. Welcome to the show, Adam, how have you been? Uh, very well, thanks, Casis, and uh, very nice to be here, thanks for having me on. So uh, lockdown, quick question, it's always the first question when I'm speaking to someone new. How have you found working from home, have you got into the rhythm of getting that office life and separating it from home life? So super interesting question, so for me so far, uh, actually... I, th I think it's been pretty productive for me working at home uh, and it's been a nice change as well. Uh, you know, for me, I'm usually traveling pretty extensively. Uh, so it's been nice to uh, spend some time at home and uh, lucky enough to be here with the family, uh, which is great. Um, but you certainly raise a, a kind of an interesting question as well, because uh, we actually surveyed our employees um, over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, to talk, uh, you know, to get a, a sense of their work from home experience. And um, one of the biggest factors or concerning points that people kind of flagged uh, was actually the, uh, you know, the um, thinking about how to detach and end their working day and create that separation between their working day and, uh, you know, their social time uh, in the home. So uh, certainly something, uh, you know, certainly some challenges, I think, for, for all of us from working from home. Yeah, and I feel like that's uh, across everywhere, it's the kind of same feeling everyone's having. This is that we're struggling to separate the workday, uh, you know, from home life. But now I'm just going to jump in with the first question. So OpenFin has worked alongside some buy side and sell side industry players. What impacts would you say your company is having on the trading desk? I think the numbers for us um, really talk to the impact and uh, they're not particularly well known, so, so worth recapping, but you know, OpenFin has around about 1,200 applications now running across um, you know, about uh, just over 200,000 users. Um, so that itself, I think you know, everybody would agree, is a really significant impact. Um, but uh, you know, at, at, at the core, what's super interesting is that many of the users of those applications in financial services and particularly on trading desks really don't know that it's OpenFin in the background uh, powering that experience. Um, I think one of the best ways that, you know, I always uh, talk about it and we as a company talk about it is think about OpenFin OS as being very similar to iOS or Android from Apple and Google. Um, it's, you know, it's largely hidden from users, um, but the technology is providing this like kind of, you know, central infrastructure um, uh, on mobile devices and, and OpenFin is providing central OS infrastructure uh, to the desktop to, to, you know, to, to really create quite a different user experience um, for, for traders and the likes. Um, but um, it's also, I think, um, really a story around uh, enablement uh, and, and change. Um, so a movement of thinking about the types of technologies that people have on their desktops um, think about older technologies and how we get the best of older applications. Also think about how people are building new applications and leveraging all the kind of new technologies uh, and innovations out there. And as an industry, we talk a lot, obviously, about you know, NLP and you know, machine learning, AI, uh, RPA, and so on. And OpenFin's really been front and center of helping firms develop solutions uh, that incorporate those types of uh, newer technologies as well. Um, I kind of, I think about it in a couple of different pieces um, in terms of, you know, helping people build great applications and then helping the user utilize that application the best way possible. Uh, in fact, there's this report a little while back from uh, Capita 
uh, and they coined this phrase, uh, which I thought was super interesting at the time. It was human to hybrid. I was thinking through and talking about with all of the advances in technology and innovation, how is that delivered to a user? What is the intersection of these new technologies or data insights with users? Uh, and I think that's a real uh, area um, that open things solves for people. And we see it every day in what people build uh, on, on OpenFin. Now we're talking about a lot of new technologies, but what firms are implementing these technologies and how? Yeah, so um, I can obviously talk uh, a little bit um, uh, or publicly about uh, you know, some of the companies who have uh, been kind enough to, to let us to do so. Um, but I, I think you can see from recent announcements from people like Faxed or you know, Cloud9, Tier 1 and others who are using uh, OpenFin technology, uh, BMP Cortex as well recently, um, that they're thinking about th- through this kind of enablement. Uh, and they're not just thinking about enablement uh, for their individual application. They're also thinking about enablement of working across different applications um, and the concept of what we call application interoperability. Uh, and that is you know, uh, another kind of feature that you have on a mobile device and um, you can see uh, in OpenFin. Um, we created a messaging standard called FTC3 uh, a couple of years ago to allow applications to seamlessly uh, communicate um, on uh, users' desktops, uh, and we see a growing number of firms uh, looking to use uh, the FTC3 protocol. So, um, so yes, while there's individual firms um, definitely thinking about you know how they're making use of NLP, firms like GreenKey, uh, AI, and, and the likes, it's also about how do we bring each of those applications together and to be a more unified experience uh, for users on desktop. And Adam, I know OpenFin has said that it's really looking to transform the financial desktop uh, so that it works just like a mobile phone, which is which is super interesting and uh, exciting. Um, is this more important now? And have you seen a greater interest in your services given the circumstances in the lockdown? So I think that's right. I think COVID-19 has definitely... Uh, opened up uh, uh, or created a new catalyst for people to think about the financial desktop uh, and their users. Um, the most common way uh, people access their applications remotely uh, today has been you know, VDI, virtual desktop infrastructure. Um, but of course, if all applications were you know, web-based and could be simply accessed through uh, a browser or a browser type technology, you know, that accessibility becomes uh, even easier. Uh, and we remove you know, more of those frictional barriers. I think as it pertains to traders, we also see the other thing, which is you know, being in an office where perhaps they've been used to having you know, six monitors or so, uh, and that's been reduced down to you know, one or, or two screens at home. Um, and so we have to think about you know, what the different information that's usually displayed and how the user interacts with it, or specifically the applications and the role they're playing for the user. And think about how does that condense? And it's really about a shift from you know, a physical workspace of you know, multiple monitors to think about more of a digital workspace that is more intuitive and, and linked to my earlier comment, which is whereby you have applications working together in a more seamless way so that you get these kind of user journeys so I think it's more about, you know, it's going to be less about applications, you know, putting content on a screen and more about applications filling, you know, a workspace 
and that workspace being really relevant in the moment uh, kind of uh, information for for for, uh, for for the user. Um, it also creates um, you know a lot of flexibility for those users um, in terms of how they're set up and defining and customizing their own personal journeys, which, as we all know, is you know a central uh, central thing um, when we talk about productivity. Tell us about your recent partnership with BMOL Technologies and uh, what the Derived Data Desktop app is looking to deliver to buy-side clients. Yeah, so I think uh, the BMOL um, suite of applications um, really lend itself well to a lot of the conversation we've been having today. Um, you know, they've essentially developed uh, an application that produces deep, very rich, uh, specialised data insights. Uh, now, it's it's probably not uh, you know, achievable to, at, at this moment, have the BMLL app up permanently on a trader's desktop, particularly in this kind of COVID-19 world of perhaps just a couple of monitors. So uh, what BMLL are doing successfully is to break the application down into smaller, more targeted, specialized uh, pieces of uh, targeted information. Uh, uh, to make it relevant to uh, uh, to make it as relevant as possible uh, to the trader, but then also think about the interoperability. So, uh, as I said earlier, about how do we connect it into the workflow uh, to make that information really come to life, and you know to make it relevant at, at the right point in that workflow. Um, so, application interoperability would be playing a significant role in the BMLL apps and many others, uh, for instance, Factset and others who are on OpenFin in terms of positioning that information and getting it to users at the right time uh, in their workflow. So super exciting to have them on board. We know that this whole lockdown has changed the way we are trading. Now, I just want your opinion on the future of trading. And I want to know, do you think traders are ready for the changes yet to come? I think, first of all, um, when people ask this question and the you know, people do you know, uh, all the time. I think it's, uh, it always feels like a really hard question uh, because it almost implies that you know, traders have never been ready for change. And that obviously couldn't be further from the truth. First of all, uh, they get change every moment of the day uh, from the markets uh, and the volatility that they see in coping with those different situations, uh, you know, uh, whether it's more extreme tal events like financial crises through to, uh, you know, shock economic news or whatever it may be. Um, also, I think about, you know, change for traders as they've had a continuum kind of catalyst through time. And that's, that's always been regulation. Uh, and regulation has meant that they've changed and evolved the way they've operated, that new tools have come to life on, the, on their desktop and so on. So I definitely believe that, you know, traders are, have always been ready and do adapt to that change. I think the, the 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 element that is is worth exploring more is um, well if there's always a catalyst and the catalyst for change has you know perhaps been you know uh, events outside of that trader's control um, we now think about well what could the catalyst be for driving innovation uh, further um, and I think COVID nineteen is a catalyst. In fact, a really, really important factor uh, for the industry to understand about how working arrangements are, cha- are changing. Uh, and that goes back to you know, our earlier conversation where 
it's no longer going to necessarily be about you know um, either the physical workspace, uh, physical space you work in, or the physical number of screens that you have, but really uh, having a digital workspace that is highly intuitive and customized for you to perform um, you know as well as you possibly can, um, and be you know deeply enriched with all the information you need at the right point in your in your workflow. I think our conversations uh, with traders say that. They absolutely want that. I think it's also fair to say that you know a lot of that innovation, uh, you know, that journey has started already, and there's been growing usage of newer technologies uh, on traders' desktops uh, for some time. I think I feel really lucky sitting at OpenFin because we have this real wide vantage point to look across the industry, whether it's the buy side, sell side, or the vendors, and. We're just really encouraged by the pace of innovation that we that we see, um, not just on an individual firm basis, but also on a collective and more collaborative basis, um, you know, particularly around application interoperability. Um, so I think there is, you know, um, momentum anyway around innovation. I think COVID nineteen as a further catalyst for people thinking about, um, you know, their employees or users sitting at desktops specifically. Um, is going to drive, you know, uh, real change for us. Of course, where I said, I also, you know, know intimately what the plans of OpenFin are, the kind of new product features uh, that we're planning to roll out over the rest of the year. And of course, the, you know, the long list of firms that we've signed uh, in the most recent period, which aren't, aren't, pu aren't public knowledge at the moment. I think when these announcements come out to the marketplace, uh, that will also be a further kind of catalyst or uh, or further understanding of the ability of, of the capability of what technology like OpenFin can deliver for the industry. Uh, and I look forward to sharing that with people uh, over the course of the rest of the year. Well, thank you so much, Adam Thomas, for joining us on the Trade Talks today. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thank you for having me. So that was a great uh, talking with Adam Toms from OpenFin. Some interesting points we went over there, wasn't it, Haley? Yeah, I think it's great to get Adam's thoughts on, on uh, you know, what's going on in the industry. I think OpenFin are doing some really interesting stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks, Adam, for, for taking the time. Who is where? People moves. So yeah, we've got the returning segment now where people moves. Now this is the part of the show where we kind of talk about some of the moves in the industry of uh, some of the key players that we've been looking at. Now, uh, Haley, who have you been looking at? Who's been uh, moving around in the industry? Yeah, sure. So this was um, quite a big sell side move, uh, which we covered recently. So um, Fatah Belbakir, I'm, I'm hoping I got that name right. Um, he has joined uh, City and he was the former global head of equities at Barclays. So um, he is joining as part of several changes to the senior management team of City's Equities and Securities Services Group. And that's a newly formed group. Um, I believe they they moved to merge that uh, the the equities and the securities services last year, um, and that's all under the sort of market security services um, business division. But um, he's going to be leading the equities franchise um, under the ESS group, um, and Olam Pekan is going to lead the security services side of that. So. Um, yeah, big move. I think um, uh, he was only with Barclays um, for less than a year, so um, yeah, quite a quite a big move. Prior to that, he you know he's a JP Morgan uh, veteran, um, so he he was with JP Morgan for I think it was about 
12 years before um, Barclays. Uh, so, yeah, big, big changes at, at City in terms of their um, their equities business models and um their processes and and everything seems to be kind of it's as if they're sort of streamlining and um merging some of those groups and as as a result of that the the leadership is sort of changing i know that dan keegan is um he is heading up the North American Markets and Security Services division, but he also serves as co-head of the ESS uh, group at City. Um, but he's now going to focus entirely on that North American markets role. Um, and the regional heads of the ESS division will um, report to Pekin and Belbekir in, in addition to their regional reporting lines. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's interesting. I know that City is is really looking to um, capture greater market share, uh, you know, among equities and prime brokerage prime brokerage following that that merger um uh merged business last year sorry um so yeah that that's a a big move i think a lot of people were quite interested in that one um yeah what what about yourself guys what uh what people have caught your eye so interestingly uh i'm going to talk about uh two companies uh today so uh some expansion happening with outsourcing trading. So Tora, they've expanded their outsourced uh, trading desk with two new hires. So the two guys who will be joining are Mark Mazor and Joe Zoneshine. Interesting to see that we're having some expansion here, but uh, Zoneshine, he's joining Tora after 16 years working as a trader at Aristia Capital and Blackwell's Capital. Now, before that, he spent three years as well as an investment banking analyst with Lehman Brothers. So uh, Mazor, on the other hand, he was most recently the global execution trader for partner fund management and Bainsley Asset Management. He, he started his career at Morgan Stanley in New York, so he's one of the, a Morgan boy. So now another outsourcing uh, trading desk, uh, Tourmaline. They're also having uh, some expansion now because they've just hired uh, three industry veterans uh, to join the outsourcing trading desk. So they're going to have two new uh, managing directors, and that's going to be uh, Alex Goodman and Matt Sindel. So Goodman, he was recently the head of US cash trading at Maraquai Capital, but previously worked at uh, multiple hedge funds, including Hunchin Hill Capital and Davidson Kemper. He was also in a senior equity trading roles there. So Sindel, he's also joining with 13 years experience. And then we have Darren Mazuka, who he's going to be joining as the director of operations. So it's quite interesting to see that they're taking on, you know, three new hires. And also Toro with two new hires during a kind of an uncertain job market, given the circumstances. So I wonder what it kind of says about outsourced trading really on a whole. There's more demand where we're hearing for, for outsourced trading and uh, perhaps asset managers are, are looking at the option um, to outsource their trading um, and not always entirely. It's, it's more often the case that um, asset managers will look to outsource uh, parts of their execution. So that could be uh, for um, you know trading Asia. Uh, it could be for trading FX uh, if, if you're an equities house, um, various ways that you could do it. But yeah, we're certainly seeing that uh, outsource trading is is growing in the industry, something that we're hearing a lot. So um, yeah, interesting that these guys are adding um, experienced uh, buy and sell side traders to to their desks. And um, we know obviously as well that Tourmaline gained a majority investment as well from uh, Copley Equity Partners, which is um, 
I suppose another sign, isn't it, that the uh, that the industry is is on the up, so to speak. It's one to look out for, one to keep an eye on. I think we're going to be uh, definitely covering more on that topic. Definitely. But uh, it's, it's been quite an upbeat podcast in terms of news anyway. Uh, a very light at the end of the tunnel kind of podcast, which has been quite good. And I think we're going to end it there. But I just want to say a big thanks to all our listeners all around the world tuning in. Uh, just don't forget you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast, really. But um, a big thanks and a big thank you, Hayley, for joining us again on this podcast. Thanks, Kaya. So I look forward to joining you again next week. Trade Talks, bringing you the best of the buy side.